Is your grain infrastructure exactly the way you want it? Are you going to improve it, upgrade it, put in more capacity? If so, you'll want to listen to this. Welcome to Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve podcast, where real farmers share real insights and real results to help you improve your farming operation. This episode of Cutting the Curve is brought to you by Kloss, where machines aren't just made, they're made for more. With a wide range of tractors, combines, foragers, and hay tools, Kloss is a family business just as driven, demanding, and dedicated as yours. Go to Kloss.com and start cutting your curve with their cutting-edge equipment. And now, here's your host, Damian Mason. Hey there, welcome to another fantastic episode of Extreme Ash Cutting the Curve. I've got Chad Henderson from Henderson Farms and his cousin Stuart Sanderson joining me from Madison, Alabama. I've also got Rody Jelleberg from Superior Grain. We're talking about the planning that goes into the considerations that you need to have top of mind when you're improving, expanding, growing your grain setup. All right, we've got now on-farm storage that now in my neighborhood and Chad's neighborhood, and I'm sure in Rody's neighborhood, that looks like it's bigger than a small town elevator was just 20 years ago. We got huge grain setups, we got grain legs, we got dumping, uh, you know, uh, platforms. We got so much stuff. Lots of money goes into this, and you need it, and it can make you money. But by golly, you better plan it out correctly. So since Stuart does the the business and the grain handling side there at Chad Henderson's farm, we decided, you know what, these guys should be on together. And then Rody, of course, has seen it all. Uh, they cover a lot of geography, a lot of the Dakotas, Minnesota, Iowa, into Indiana, where I'm from. But we're going to talk about mistakes that will get made and then how to avoid them when you plan your grain setup. Stuart, you were so eager to go ahead and hop in here. You said why you've got to have that grain set up the way you want it, where you want it. Go. Well, there's several factors that go into that. And, you know, I like to be hands-on around all of our grain storage because once that crop comes out of the field, that's our equity in those grain bins. And so I like to have a more hands-on management approach to it. And we've got all the technology. We've got the sensor cables and stuff in these grain bins. I can look on my phone or look on a computer and tell what's going on in there. But still, I like to be around it because, you know, you have little things that come up over the course of a year, course of a storage year, uh, that you just you just need to be there. And, uh, you know, it's something I do. And uh, you're trusting that bin to take care of what you put in it. And, you know, it's not always going to be exactly like it is when you put it in there. And so, you know, you have to, you, there, there's always going to be an uh-oh somewhere. And, you know, the closer you got your facilities to your headquarters, you can mitigate that uh-oh that uh, could, you know, cost you, cost you some su- substantial money. Got it. When you uh, talk about these things, Rody, you know, it, it's, it's a major uh, setup. And it's not like you're building all of them new. A lot of times you're going and retrofitting, right? A lot of your work you go and you're trying to retrofit. I would think that one of the first considerations is if you're if you're building new or building on is to make sure that it continues to be one that you can retrofit and add on to because seldom do you just do that the way it is and then not change it. Is that an accurate uh, assessment on my part? Well, that's, that's best practice. Anytime that you are planning for expansion, um, you know, Johnny talked about it before when they built their dryer, you know, they built it, you know, a third bigger, I believe it was than what they needed that day because they took on additional farmland, got an additional combine, mm-hmm. um, you know, with the capacities changing with um, combines and stuff out there too. harvest, 
you know, we're talking 5,000 bushel, bushel an hour capacity out of the harvest equipment. And if you don't have the storage space and elevators are full, what are you going to do with it? Chad, what's wrong with the grain setup at Henderson Farms as it sits right now? Um, because I assume you're going to think about that. If you're going to make changes or growth, you we, always think, you know what we wish we did. Uh, we ain't got that much time. I told yeah. you in the pre-opening of this, you know, when, when Stuart and I started this, well, our farm rotated out of cotton. And I say, you know, we've always been grain farmers to an essence, but this is cotton country. We know that. Um, but when we rotated out in 06 and 07, we built a grain bin set up. And I told y'all to start with, when we started this thing, the only thing that was right about it was the color. And if y'all know that, all grain bins are the same color. <laughs> so that's the only thing that was right about it. You know, it's whether you set, you know, there's a lot to go into it. Whether you put the, whether you put the grain bins, you know, knee high in air, whether you put them flat on the ground, whether the runway to the bins has scales in it. Where's your scales going to be? Where's your dump pit going to be in relation to your scales? Where's your unload pit going to be? And there's a lot of things going to it. Where's your next five bins going to be? Yeah. You know, and that's that's the part of stuff that that we just didn't see, you know, that you have to have a real vision for how many bushel you want to hold, you know, 20 years from now. Well, you that's know, the that's, thing that's, about, that's that, the, that was the thing about Johnny when when Johnny Varell, you, you've been to his place, it's massive. And he says, well, we built it bigger than we needed. Uh, and we and we thought, gosh, we'll never need all this. And we need more. And they had well, just I, mean, built a... I mean, I think Johnny's first set of bins is a bean facility, and the second set of bins, he just said, "Oh, I'm just going to move over here and I'll build a corn facility." You, you know, Pretty I mean, much, it's yeah. it's, almost, it's almost like that, you know, where you just, hey, I, it's just cheaper to go over here and start again. Is that right, Rody? I mean, a lot of times it can be. It can be depending on where you're. If you're, you know, locked into a certain area and you can't get, you know, you could go skinnier bins and taller versus fatter bins and shorter and stuff, but. I mean, you, you got to consider what you have for space, your best utilization of the space. You know, that's that's where your economics are going to come into play. So planning your grain infrastructure and your grain infrastructure expansion. Uh, how old is the stuff at uh, Henderson Farm, Stuart? What's the, the first one was is 20 plus years old, 25 years old? Well, the first the first setup that we did here with the bins and the dryer was built in 07. And then we added the additional... Uh, two bins and two grain legs. Uh, I think we added that in 2015 or something. 2014 or 15. 14 or 15. 15. We added the added two more bins and a leg. And then uh, five years ago, we added another 150,000 bushel uh, grain bin that we added to it. And and that was as you know our operation expanded and uh, we needed more storage, but you know there's there's a lot of the marketing side that get and into and why we, storage. We added a bagger to it. Yeah, well, yeah, we had a grain <laughs> bagger. We had to add a, add a, ba a grain bagger to it. You know, which is not the best <laughs> addition to the grain bin setup, but it got us no. out of a pinch. And now we're going to do another bin because we run a bagger. <laughs> a bagger will make you buy a bin. A, ba I mean, <laughs> a bagger is a used band aid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not even It'll sure what they're talking about. Bit. Somebody help me out here. What's a bagger? Well, that's just <laughs> that, that, those are more common the further north you get, and it's basically because the the ability to put up grain bins and run power to them gets kind of tough in areas way up north, especially get up towards Canada. And it's a it's a cylindrical tube. Now people have been bagging salads 
for years, and it's yeah. kind of, it's the same process. The same process. So okay. the grain goes into the bag. The bag is sealed off airtight, and uh, depending on your climate, the grain can stay in there for many months uh, at a time. We Until store, a coyote knocks it out. Yeah, we store <laughs> we've stored grain up to eighteen months in grain bags and hadn't had no problem with them. And generally speaking, you can do that for about eight cents a bushel. Uh, so it, if you come up on a year where you expand your operations significantly and you need some storage and need to be able to keep the harvesters running, uh, the investment in the bagging system is is a very inexpensive way to go per bushel uh, to help you get through but, a crop. But the headache on getting it out and putting it in will make you do what we do and go buy bins. <laughs> uh, okay, I I did I I I've seen them. It goes in wet, right? Doesn't it go in like it goes in yeah. green? No. no, no, it's got to be dry when it goes in. And that's okay. another variable. You know, the bin is a way to, if you can dry corn in it, you can air corn. You can't do any of that with a with a bag. It's simply a way to store conditioned grain. You know, that is it, you know, and, and it's, and, and, and yeah, it'll work, but it's, it's, it's definitely something you don't want to have a lot of on the farm. All right. So when we talked about what's wrong with your grain slip, you said everything's wrong except for the color, jokingly, the, the problem is it wasn't wrong in 2007. So I think we need to start talking about the fact that if you plan on being around for more than a year, two, 10, these things evolve. Um, it all reminds me of the, the dairy farms around me growing up and ours. You went from 10 cows to 20. Well, that's a doubling. <laughs> you know, it's only you, 10 more cows, but it's a doubling. You need to, you need to use people like, like Rody at Superior Beans, and you got to sit down and you got to have an in-depth conversation about where your goals are, where your farm goals are. Before you start a bin project, you really need to know where you want it to end at, right, Rody? I mean, what do people, what do people, mo what do people, most people do wrong? Well, a lot of the times you you need to have a plan, and that's what we try to ask everybody. Okay, what is your long term plan? You know, how big are you today? But how big are you going to be, or how big do you want to be? Or you know, some guys maybe they don't want to get bigger, but they do. But what potential uh, size are you going to be in 10 years, 15 years? Because, you know, I've been, you know, a lot of guys have bins from the 70s that they're still using and actively using, and they're holding up just fine. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you need to have a, a direction. But they're small. To... But, they're, but they're small, and the point is they weren't small in their era if they'd have built it exactly 50% larger, all the neighbors would say, is that guy trying to show off? And then it would still look small. <laughs> right exactly yeah but yeah i mean that's the biggest thing is is having a plan of where you think you're going to be in 10 years because then you can figure out you know do you have enough space where you're at right now or do you need to consider going to a greenfield site or do you look at what you currently have and add on to it or upgrade it uh it, there's a lot of different factors that but the first like you said chad the the first uh, first key component of that is figuring out where you think you're going to be in 10, 15 years. So you're making that investment and you're not pigeonholing yourself. So, so, I mean, when we started, we, we built how many thousand bushels? That, that was uh, 140. So 140. I mean, that was, that was literally 10, no, it's eight times bigger than what we had. Yeah. We built eight times bigger than what we had. You know, when we yeah. was building for the grain that we was potentially yeah, going we, to have. We still had a cotton rotation uh, yeah. at the time. Yeah. And and so we thought we was 
that's would be generous, right? Yeah, you thought you thought we're eight times in our capacity. Graham, we're taking on new and and here it is, not even twenty years later, and you're saying, "Yep, we need to expand and we need to grow this thing." Oh no! And then seven years later, we went with another hundred and twenty. Yeah, so you okay. Doubled, then doubled it. Three yeah. or four years later, we went with another hundred and fifty. Yeah. So you that's and, and and we had no plan, and that's what I told you about all the way back to the front. It's just get with a good company to have a good plan, a good start, you know. Well, a lot of, a lot of that, too, is, you know, as, as far as getting bigger bands and expanding more, uh, depending on where you're at, the marketing opportunities that you have really can drive the size bands that you want and the capacity you want to have to hold more of your crop. Uh, you know, I, generally speaking, initial grain bin setups were for a particular crop. Get your wheat crop out, get it delivered. Get your corn crop out, get it delivered. Get your soybeans out, get it delivered. Well, in the, the day and age of marketing where we have better opportunities to store grain, to get carries in the market, to sell it two, three, six, eight months down the road, the larger capacity is becoming more the norm now. So, you know, it's not so much that a lot of these, you know, early grain bin systems were, inadequate at the time it's just the opportunities there to hold a larger percentage of the grain yep. is a lot more prevalent now than it used to be and yep. and you know infrastructure in, in in cities and towns and states and and gr different grain markets and different grain buyers and the way our exports are now really has driven a lot of this increase in capacity also even well, even that, plus, you also plus, look at Plus yields. I mean, the yeah, fact was, is, yeah, I was going to say that the yields, yields are fifty percent. Chad and Stewart are getting fifty percent more yield than they did when they put up those. You know, in 05 or six when they started thinking yeah. about putting up grain bins. Yeah, we've seen it up here too. In the last five years, it's like the yields have increased almost exponentially in some cases. So let's talk and you about. You have to be able to hold that quality. Is yeah. another thing, another reason exactly. for getting into better bands, and 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 you know y'all can speak to this from a from a construction standpoint. Getting better quality structures and infrastructure helps hold that quality of grain a lot better, which which can a lot of times be the difference between a profit or a loss. Exactly. I want to hear about the quality. I want to hear about the the right way to do it, and also I want to hear Stewart's wish list and Chad's wish list, and then Rody can walk us through the way to make that happen. Before I do that, I want to tell you about Nature's. Nature's is one of our business partners here at Extreme Ag. Uh, Tommy Roach and the gang over there, great folks to work with, and it's really prevalent this year. We did a recording with Chad talking about spoon feeding a crop when you didn't need to just go out there and 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 blanket the field with uh, too much fertility. Well, you know, in these fertility costs and lower commodity prices, it's an excellent time to go back and listen to that spoon feeding to still maintain yield. Nature's is focused on providing sustainable farming solutions and helping you maintain your potential for genetic achievement. You can do this with Nature's and their high-quality liquid fertilizers powered by Nature's Bio-K. Nature's Bio-K. Nature's Bio-K fertilizers help you mitigate plant stress, enhance crop yield, and boost your farm OOI throughout the growing season because you can target periods of influence. Go to natures.com, N-A-C-H-U-R-S. That's the name of the company, Nature's. Go check it out. What's your wish list, Stuart? What do you want to do now? And then how is it going to play into what Chad uh, has been 
when he's out there driving the rigs around, he's saying, guys, I think we need to do this. What are, what are you guys agreeing on that needs to happen at the Henderson Grain Setup in Infrastructure Improvement Project? Well, the, the goal would be to get to 100% storage of our crop, corn, soybeans, and wheat. And uh, now if Ted continues to do his job, then I, it'll be a work in progress for grain bands if he keeps raising the yields up all the time. But, you know, the, the, the pie in the sky would be to store the entire crop. And, again, that gets back to being able to take advantage of markets. But, you know, before we even get it to market, it's, it's, it's still, it, it comes down to getting the crop out of the field at a timely manner. And being able to get that crop unloaded and get it in a bin and get it out of the weather and then store it and start, you know, looking for your other markets and stuff down the road. But as, as far as what we've got going, I mean, yeah, I mean, we might have increased storage a little bit faster. But again, we're farmers. we got a lot of things going on. We uh, Other than grain bins, you know, we have irrigation systems, we have to upgrade equipment stuff. So there's still a percentage of money that we can allocate to grain infrastructure every year. Um, but, you know, it, it is a work in progress. And the main thing, like was already discussed, going forward, you, you just need to make sure that that system that you're upgrading is integrated some kind of way into what you already have. That's one way of, you know, uh, minimalizing the cost uh, from the get-go. Rody, by the way, but I'm going to go back to Chad, but before I do that, Rody, he's talking about integrating what your existing system is. At some point, um, is it time to is it time to call the scrap metal man on some of these grain bin setups and not trying to retrofit and just go across the driveway and start new? Sometimes it is. That's where you have to kind of pencil it out and see if it makes sense, adding into sometimes antiquated equipment or equipment that needs so much work that it just doesn't pencil out to keep adding to it. Yeah. So who makes that decision? The farmer ultimately, is that what it is when you go out and when you go out and, and you're doing a site survey, do you say, Hey, I know you're emotionally attached to these bins over here, but guess what? Uh, smash them like beer cans and take them to the scrapyard. It can be. I mean, we, we try to, you know, it's, it's almost like putting down a pet. Sometimes you got to kind of like, <laughs> you know, I know this is your lifeblood here, but at a certain time, it's time to put it out to pasture in a sense. But it, ultimately, I mean, they have to make that decision. And we've, uh, we've had successful conversations with customers that they realize, yeah, the best thing we could do is, is move this across the yard or to a different site. And then we've had other other times where guys are insistent that they want to keep adding and it lasts them, you know, another three or four years until they start having major problems with it. And, you know, we don't say I told you so, but, you know, we kind of remind them this is what we talked about. So here, you know, sometimes we'll have a backup plan knowing that, you know, three years down the road that this might happen. So we sometimes we kind of keep that in our back pocket to uh, have have a solution ready when that time does come. So Chad, you're the guy that's run across the, do you, let's talk about what you, what you think you need for, to keep the Henderson farm uh, running efficiently for, do you have a scale? Yep. Yes. Okay. So you have a scale you've got, is your dumping site adequate? Yes. If it was in a, if I had a pipe dream, you know, like I said, I'd have a bigger pit. 
Um, and we and we built her. I think our leg was a third bigger than what we could use when we built it. You know, we built yeah. a large leg when we built it. But it, you know what Brody was talking about? Brody was talking about. Um, you know, when we done that, that would be the problem, yeah. wouldn't it? You I mean you can get it in a bin and have bins and multiple bins, but when that leg is smaller, then man, you really have a problem on on getting that thing unloaded or the pit is not adequate. You know, and it takes longer time to unload with a truck. That's the biggest deal for me is I need those trucks back as soon as possible. If not, I'm going to have to buy two more trucks. Then yeah. I have more I literally, I literally just talked to a customer on the phone uh, it, in, an hour ago where they were saying that they have to pace their combines based on what the pit can take away because otherwise they're, it completely gums up their whole operation. What about then... Uh... So capacity of dumping is not even capacity of drying because Rody and I talked about this yesterday. Uh, wet wet bin capacity, wet holding capacity can be a big, um, shall we say, uh, bottleneck. Drying capacity, you said, Stuart, what was it? 500 bushels uh, you could dry at a time? That seems cute, doesn't it? That seems almost yeah. obvious. Yeah, it, it, was, it, was a cute, it was a cute little bitty setup. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's the it's the, the 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 things that you want. You want to be able to dump it in the front. And you want to be able to get it out the back, and you can manage the in between a lot better. So, uh, is the under capacity their problem? Is about the ability to dump. Is that something you can retrofit, or do you, or is that something you pretty much uh, bring in the bring in the excavator and uh, start anew? Well, I mean, well, I mean, one problem now is not really a dump yeah. now. I mean, we, we kind of cured that. When we started, it was when we started, we had a 500 bushel batch dryer, a 125 bushel gravity wagon hooked to a 16 jogger going in 18,000 bushel bin. And we was pretty big deal. And so we took that and we put in a 1226 dryer, a 20,000 bushel wet tank and two 60,000 bushel bins. So we really upscaled. Well, then the next trip was the scales and the leg you know we had a like a 13 inch auger right there's yeah, a 13 inch auger going to that well then we when we put in the scales and the and the leg you know we we come a lot more but the scales and the leg is the key like and and that's not money that's really money hard to spend you know the the dumping pit and the scales and leg you can't make any money with that the grain bins will make us money we can't make any money it's simply convenience and we as farmers don't make money off convenience but we do make money off speed and that's what Rody was talking about. Like, we got to have speed because the combines just get faster and get bigger and they just handle more grain. We make more grain. The farm, American farmers doing a good job of making more grain and we just keep bottling it up. We've got dumping capacity. I mean, we've dumped, uh, when we're running irrigated corn, I've dumped as many as 58,000 bushels in a harvest day uh, at our facility. And you know, is that adequate? Well, to me, it was because I was there for all fifty-eight thousand of them. Turning the handle, <laughs> and, and so that was uh, that was enough. I would call and said, "Hey, yeah. enough's enough." I'm Shut done. Them I'm off. He said, "I'm done." Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's 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 a lot. That's a that's a lot of cranking open the bottom of a semi hopper, isn't it? Yes, it yeah. is. Many yes, guys are talking about wanting electric doors. I'm like, oh, come on, man. Yeah, with a little with a little push button remote. That's that's like that's like. I mean, I'm just running my math here. That's uh, that's. What twelve hundred bushels? I mean, it's it's fifty it's fifty trailers. Yes, at least. Yeah, maybe then some. All right. So no, my test weight. Hell yeah, no. right, right, right. <laughs> so what do you what do you think? And then um, uh, when we talk about planning, you're going to do a plan. What what are you going to do? 
what what are you going to do? You're actually you think you've rectified the dump capacity. Is your dryer is your wet holding and dryer capacity adequate? Rody, you tell me. Then they'll, they'll I want to hear it from them. Then you, okay, them then you, because you can tell me if they know what they're talking about, or if there are those two guys that are clinging to the the pet that they don't want to be put down. <laughs> we in Alabama, easy, Rody. We in Alabama. <laughs> well, our, you know, our, the, the the good thing about the dryer is it runs when we go home. You know, in a perfect world. You yep. know, so max max drying capacity, if I'm trying to move eight points, uh, about 13, 1,400 bushels an hour. Uh, so the dryer for what we bring out of the field is is does not have the capacity to handle it. But when it's running on a 24-hour loop, seven days a week, we're able to maintain because we have the capacity, the way I've got, we've got our bins set up, I, I can I can have 140,000 bushels of wet storage. And because our systems are integrated the way they are, my one bin, wet bin, and my next two bins can function basically as the same bin. And I can move grain around. And of course, while it's in there, we've got the fans running. So we're getting some ambient drying going on. Okay. Uh, so you don't you don't time. lack capacity to dump right now. You don't lack capacity to hold green or wet right now. Right. Right now ours is definitely drier. Yes. It's definitely drier. Like we could condition, like when what happens when Stuart starts getting in up in them points, like we would like to go the field three or four points higher, Rody. And then what well, yeah. but what we do, we get out of our capacity at you know, the end when he gets up there, then we start busting grain, trying to get the speed up. You know, it creates other problems. He gets spots yeah. in the bin, you know. We've alleviated a lot of the fine issues. We went to a uh, a double run system loading the dryer and we got a double run system bringing the grain off the dryer so that helped out a lot but still i mean for our, for our dryer capacity our sweet spots when when chad's running 22 23 corn everything's running good and we know that we need to be getting in the corn maybe up to 28 even up to 30 percent and yeah. you know with the traditional uh continuous flow gsi dryer um it's just you you'd have to slow it way down your grain temperatures get up too high then your grain temperatures inside your bin get up too high and so you know the mixed flow dryer system would really really speed up our operation as far as drying one but actually getting in the field and capturing you know we call it the ghost bushels that all of us in grain management talk about all the time yep. so if we could if we could upgrade our dryer and get into that 28 to 30% harvest time on the corn and pick up those extra bushels. And that make the, that'll make the system run a lot more efficient. Uh, we gain those extra, you know, few cents per bushel on profit by getting that corn out at that time. Okay. Brody, what he's saying is, and Chad says their capacity problem is the dryer and they've got an existing system. It's not even yours. Can your, that thing that's over your right shoulder, if you're listening, he's got a beautiful setup, a picture, a chroma key behind him of a, uh, a beautiful setup. Um, you'd be tired after walking up all those stairs. I think it's probably about a hundred feet up there. <laughs> that's no, that's, that's no taller than Johnny. So. Okay. 80 probably. Uh, 60 some. Okay. When you, um, like, I just keep looking at it. You know, I just keep looking at it, and he's sitting there, and I just keep – I'm mesmerized. You know, it's just like I keep going around there. <laughs> by, the time, by the time Chad finally gets this, uh, he's going to be too old to climb those stairs. He's going to have to send uh, Jackson up there. Anybody. We can Stuart. pay somebody to go up there by that time. So – Leaving an elevator up there. Can they put 
can they put that system that's over your right shoulder on their system? A dryer is a dryer. It can hook up to a grain bin. I mean, is there is there a compatibility issue? No, not really. I, as long as there's space, and even if, I mean, as long as you have enough land, I mean, technically, you could be quite a ways away from your grain facility. Now, within reason, you know, I'm talking, you know, feet, not miles, but, <laughs> uh, you know, if you've got a way to get product in the dryer and then back out, whether it's via pumps or legs or, yep. you know, conveyors, whatever it may be. Yeah, it's it's they're compatible. So there's just a matter of if you have enough space to do it. So we're talking about planning your grain setup uh, and expansion. The next thing for you is dryer. I mean, maybe bin and dryer. What is the what are you guys thinking, Stuart and Chad? What is your consideration? Wait. We've got a we've got a hundred and fifty thousand bushel grain bin sitting on the ground right now that uh they'll start putting up maybe in about a month or so. And so we're getting the more capacity in it. And we could we could upgrade our dryer. Uh the footprint where our dryer is out, that that's one good thing, whether it's by dumb luck or what have you, uh the mixed flow dryer like behind his head there would fit on our existing pad. And uh it would be as simple as just extending our double runs uh, to load it and the double run coming off the back of it pretty much be exactly in the same place. And, you know, with that, with that mixed flow dryer, and that, that's the thing, you know, what we have works really good right now. It could work a lot, lot better. That mixed flow system would will allow us, like I said, to get in the field a little bit earlier and not dry the corn down quite as much because you're getting a more even mixture of grain coming out the back and then you instead of burning fuel you can take advantage of ambient temperatures like here in alabama i mean we may be 100 degrees when we're shelling corn and you know that's that's free drying air outside that we can use these big fans to push through there and so there, there'd be a lot of advantages to us upgrading to one of those systems and it, and it would fit our operation what mistakes do you think uh okay so the next thing for you is bins going up a dryer like that is next next year well i mean that with, with four dollar corn right now we may want to talk about that maybe next year <laughs> a, a little bit but that is that shoot it's corn it's corn already <laughs> whoops up there <laughs> it, it, it's definitely it's definitely the next the next step in in what we've got going on there all right, Rody, be the professional that you are that goes out and looks at grain setups all the time. What mistakes do you see that you want to make sure that Mr. Henderson and Mr. Sanderson do not make? Well, one thing, and I, saw, I guess I haven't seen their setup, but a lot of guys, uh, I've seen it happen a few times where everything runs through the dryer. You know, you guys talk about there's years that you want to get in the field and take it out when it's 28, 30. Um you know, there's other times you guys are probably pulling it off at 16 at the end of the season, but you don't need to run that through the dryer. Why go through the process? You know, you spend all that money harvesting it. It's coming out, you know, nice product, nice and clean. Yep. Now you're running it through extra handling, going through the dryer. Even if you're not running the dryer, it's still a, a break point. Any wear point, you typically want to have the, the shortest path between A and B for your product when it's conditioned now if that dryer is in that system as part of that a to b if it's wet obviously that's a necessity but if you can eliminate that point you know just give yourself options so you're not boxing yourself in i like it so one of the recommendations is 
there's times when you don't need to run something through the dryer. So make it so that you can either dump and it, and turn it so that it goes to the dryer, or you you change Bypass a it. you change you change a valve. Change a valve. I'm yeah. not sure what to I mean, call I would, it. I would yeah. say we're less less than fifty, probably fifty percent of ours goes through the dryer. Uh, I mean, we fifty, 50 to sixty percent, but our, our system is set up like that. We have two legs. And Rody, so what what we have is we're in there dumping wet corn. We got wet corn going up one leg, and then the double run coming off the dryer is going in a totally separate leg and going to different bins. And so yep. the only the only the only grain that has to go through our dryer is what we want to go through the dryer. All right. Well basically then, like wanna... our wet bin, our our wet bin that feeds the dryer. Um now if we want to just dump that bin, say that that corn gets into condition. And we want to dump it. We do have a bypass off of our double run that comes off the back of the dryer, and so no grain runs through that dryer when we're emptying out our wet tank. Yep. I just heard something that running everything through the dryer is a big mistake. You guys didn't make it. Uh, by the way, this is the most passionate I've seen Stewart ever. He gets very passionate about grain setup uh, planning. I'm telling you why. And this could be a this could be an ongoing show where we just come on and talk. All right, another mistake that you see commonly, Rody, that uh, when it comes to grain setup expansions or initial development, that then is kind of like shooting themselves in the foot. Um, making sure you know you talked about it before, and power is a big issue. Uh, a lot of guys think they have unlimited amount of power. Uh, and whether it's power co-op or just, you know, whoever you're getting your power through, um, you may be tapped. Um, we've seen it up here in the, in the Midwest. Um, I think more so we have a lot more three or single phase power up here than like you guys do down in Indiana. I know a common thing down there is to do phase converters on single phase power. Um, but they are limiting in certain areas, how much extra service you can bring in. And if you don't have that ability to power that new equipment, you're pretty much, you either have to bring in three phase, which can be a, a astronomical expense if it's even available. Mm -hmm. um, or, you know, some of the options we've seen, we've done a few projects where guys have done generators on just a drying system. So the dryer, the fill, the takeaway, all that stuff is run off a generator. And then the rest of your, unloads your fans and stuff or run off your regular power that you've had out and on the on the site since the start all right my other thing Rody, is how you don't heat that dryer whether you got availability to natural gas or you have to have propane storage on site and the availability of that in your area the constraints about the size tanks that you might be able to have uh, and things like that that could absolutely you, know, you might you might want a big capacity dryer but just the availability to heat the dryer may be a limiting factor also We've run into that numerous times. I think Varel talked about that, that he's fortunate that he's able to get natural gas and the cost between that and liquid propane was significant. In other words, it brought his drying cost down to where he can grab that 30% corn and catch an early basis premium and not have a whole hell of a lot involved in the drying. Electricity capacity, by the way, you talked about how it is in Indiana. I'm terrified of electricity, full disclosure. I'm colorblind. I don't touch electrical wires. I don't, I'm afraid to... I'm afraid to I, I ain't doing it. But anyway, I don't know. Do you guys have an adequate electric capacity in Alabama where you are? Do, or is that a consideration for you? We do. Uh, we're we're blessed here. We've got three phase power. So we're we're you, you don't talk about being scared. We got 480 
480 volts running through everything we've got out there. Everything is 100% three-phase power. But so what happens, Stuart? I go to this. I go to Matt Miles Farms, and he tries to walk me through a swamp and tells me that there's uh, cottonmouth poisonous snakes in there. I come to your part of the world, now you're going to start threatening me with 480-volt electricity. Why do these southern guys always try to threaten me, Rody? Did I do anything to them? Hey, Damon, have, you've been in our irrigated fields, haven't you? You've been <laughs> yes. in our fields with our irrigation systems, right? Yep. And I, you've been out there when you've seen them running, right? Yep. Well, there's 480 volts running to that pivot. <laughs> that water's coming through, and you, you ain't been scared of it yet. Yeah, and now and you got me standing in a puddle of water, and then Chad hands me some bare wires. Okay, uh, <laughs> running everything through the dryer is one mistake. Electrical capacity, and that's something you really want to check out before you start, you know, start the, the digging the concrete forms. What's another mistake that you see, Rody, and making sure the, the, these guys don't run into it? Um, sometimes it's as simple as not listening to the experts. Um, you're asking, <laughs> you an, asking, asking an opinion and then, you know, completely ignoring it. We've had a lot of, you know, like, I, like we've talked about before, you know, guys that have old systems that, yeah. you know, I want to add on to this and we say, yeah, you can, but it's just, you're putting a bandaid on it. Eventually you're going to have to address this, um, or, you know, wanting to use uh, a grain pump on a, on a grain, on a dryer fill when they probably should have used a, um, a leg. Yep. And I've walked on a numerous sites where I can see, you know, the wet fill is definitely not going to keep the dryer full. And I said, you know, you're going to have issues with this. Well, it'll be fine. And then they complain about capacity and it's like, well, you can't keep your dryer full because you didn't size your wet fill accordingly. So yeah. that's a lot of it is just being able to, you know, some of it's not even cost. Sometimes it's just a, a mindset and to get guys to, you know, wait, 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 wait. Are, are you saying farm people are bullheaded, fixed in their way and can't be told anything? Wait, wait, wait. I never heard that before yep. in my entire career. <laughs> I said nothing of the sort. I've been around these people. I've been around these people for, I've been around, I've been around farm people for half a, more than half a century. I'm not afraid to say it. All right. Get me out of here, everybody. Um, Planning your grain setup, your grain infrastructure expansion or uh, new construction. We talked about the mistakes, talked about the wish list. Uh, I mean, get me out of here. Closing thoughts, Stuart and, and Chad, uh, you're going to do this. It's a big expense. You need it. It makes you money. It obviously makes it so you can keep your farm operation going. You'd probably like to not have to do it, but it's kind of a necessary evil. So uh, what's your closing thoughts? Stuart, you opened us. <laughs> Well, I, I just I just think that if you're going to remain profitable in farming, you've got to be able to maximize every bushel that you bring out of the field. And getting it planted, it, getting it harvested, and getting it out of the field, that's a big part of it. And then when I take over with my grain bins, that's an equally as big a part because what we do from there to the time we sell determines profitability. And anytime you're thinking about how you want to increase your storage, you got to really consider what your goal is in managing that grain when it's in there. What What's your end goal? What you want to do with it? How do you want to promote your, your commodities to your market? And that will help make a lot of decisions going forward about how and when you need to upgrade your facilities, expand it, and make it fit the scope of your operation. 
that I think that's probably one of the best things and advice I can give people is, is get this thing to the scope of where your operation is and then get your vision and then start to take off and build. Brody, are they, uh, are they, is he on target there on uh, what we want for the, thoughts on this Stuart, you want a job and as a salesman <laughs> <laughs> sure right what, what's the commission rates yeah <laughs> talk about that yeah, I, I mean, that's that's you pretty much summed up i mean that if if everybody had that same mentality i think we'd all be in a in a better situation make sure you can drive your trailer truck around it <laughs> we can we can talk about the loop and stuff <laughs> later on on how to how to access and everything but yeah, it's just, you know, it, it just takes a little bit of thought and you got to lean on people like Rody that's that's in the business and, you know, to know how to size these things. You you know, you you want to you want your takeaway to be bigger than your input and you want stuff to move be flawlessly. Open, you be, want you be open-minded. Yeah, you, you want know? you want to be op open-minded and and as an agribusiness man and women when we're sitting down push, pushing a pencil and paper and, you know, sometimes that 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 window will constrict a little bit when it comes to looking at the input cost in this. And again, that's why I fall back to what is your goal? What is your end goal to do with that bushel of grain and let that determine where you want to go and where you need to go. Rody, I think you're right. Um, his resume will be on the way, but he's already kind of spoken, and I think he's ready to sign up. If you want to hear more about uh, about grain setup and infrastructure, we're going to host a panel on this. We, meaning Extreme Ag, and Chad's going to be there. I don't know if Stuart is. Now I'm going to recruit him. We're going to be at Commodity Classic. It's going to be on Friday, March 1st. Uh, Friday, March 1st. I'm looking at my calendar. Yeah, that's at 1 to 2 p.m. at Commodity Classic. If you're a member of Extreme Ag, you can go to Commodity Classic for free with our partners, Nature's, that's going to make that happen. Uh, but you might have missed your timeline if you didn't already sign up. Booth 1007. We're going to be there 1 o'clock in the afternoon. <clears throat> Come by, hear us talk about things like uh, considerations when you're putting in your grain infrastructure. We're, we're there to help you uh, learn from our mistakes. That's one of the big things about Extreme Ag. Chad can tell you all the mistakes they've made, uh, he and uh and Stewart at putting their infrastructure together. And then uh, you can hear from Rody, which I think we just heard the overlying expert says, uh, not listening to experts is the biggest mistake you can make. No, I, I like it. All seriousness. Good the stuff. Rody is going to change the color to Ben so that everybody don't make the wrong colors. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So uh, really good stuff. Appreciate everybody being here. Stuart Sanderson, Chad Henderson, Rody Jelleberg. I'm Damon Mason. Thanks for being here. If you want to take your learning to the next level, consider becoming a member of Extreme Ag. It's only $750 a year. You could go uh, get free partner uh, offers. You get data at the end of the year, and you get access to a question and answer platform where you can hear from the guys on a subject you'd like to go deeper on. So check it out, extremeag.farm. Also, check out the new extremeag.farm show. That's right. I'm wearing the shirt right now. We have our show. That's right. A show. It's awesome. It ain't reality TV. It's real TV, and you're going to like it. Extreme Ag Show. Go to the YouTube channel, Extreme Ag YouTube channel, and hit subscribe. It's free. Or go check us out on Acres TV. Till next time, thanks for being here. I'm Dan Mason. This is Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve. That's a wrap for this episode of Cutting the Curve. Make sure to check out ExtremeAg.Farm for more great content to help you squeeze more profit out of your farming operation. Cutting the Curve is brought to you by Kloss, where machines aren't just made, they're made for more. Visit Kloss.com and start cutting your curve with cutting edge equipment.